Ooh, welcome to a spooky episode of the Variety Pond. I am your host, Chase Pond, in the dark while it's raining. And man, that, is, that was not convincing. Anyway, have, that, welcome to the Variety Pond, where we just talk about, uh, lately just older release films. You know, occasionally TV, maybe some other things, but... Uh, yeah, of course we have uh, Lauren and uh, Michael uh, here in the flesh, or out, no, not here in the flesh. I would say over on the internet, they're not here. Here, uh, are you? So, I'm here in speed. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. And the reason why we're acting so weird, well, is because we're doing a podcast, and that's what we do. But also, <laughs> uh, we are talking about William Castle, so. I thought, you know, my, even though this had William Castle, I don't have much of growing up with the filmmaker, just, you know, as of lately, just kind of, uh, at least seeing films inspired by William Castle, and especially earlier this year, uh, no, actually, I don't think it was this year, it was last year, but, you're, you know, we're talking about Christopher Mim, who couldn't be here because uh, he had a scheduling conflict with his uh, uh, his new movie he's shooting so uh, unfortunately he can't be here but oh well uh, still be fun to talk about that and since uh, you know birthday coming up I thought you know what I'm going to revisit the very first movie I watched that was on the big screen and that so happened to be Barney's Great Adventure the movie so we'll see how that film holds up in 25 years uh yeah really I, well actually not 25 years it came out 1999 but uh and believe it or not it actually relates to william castle and i will get a get into <laughs> why but that's uh what we have on the show and uh you know just simple as that uh, for as far as the william castle films we'll be talking about uh, there was so many, but, you know, if we're going to narrow it down to three, uh, we're going to do The in- Mysterious Intruder, which, uh, and kind of going by order of when it came out. So first would be The Mysterious Intruder, uh, 1946, part of the Whistler series he does. And then uh, you, there you have The House on Haunted Hill, released in 1959. And then uh, Rosemary's Baby, which was one of the last films he was at all involved in. Uh, not exactly the last, but it was towards the end of his filmmaking career and even his life, uh, being that he passed in 1977. So, that, uh, you know, it'll be interesting exploring this old filmmaker. Uh, but uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, uh, Lauren, how are you being that you... Uh, or I don't know what's going on with uh, your campus uh, as far as whether or not you're going to open up. Uh, I'm sure the decision hasn't been made within a week because, you know. Yeah, I'm just going in a little bit just to do things that have to be done in person. But I don't know what's going to happen long term. They said we might go back to not going in at all. They said it really depends. So we just have to pay attention right now. Things are going to be the same as they was last week but we never know yeah i mean well within a week all of i heard is just you know things getting worse there's there's no proof that by the summer 
things will get better or by the fall. In fact, there was even uh, one of the uh, experts saying that we won't get a vaccine till fall of next year, and that's that is going to be well, that is going to be uh, you know really crazy. But yeah, I mean, uh, you always want to hope for optimism. You always want to hope for things to get better soon. But I mean, you know, they they are experts, and we can't act like they're full of crud. So. I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, holding it down. Um, you know, doing more podcasts, of course. I did three shows yesterday. I did the Pond Theater. We talked about Scoob. Uh, and we talked about, uh, oh, yeah, the Cat's Butthole Cut. So, uh, and along with uh, two indie hits, that was uh, the How to Build a Girl and the Half of It. Uh, and then uh, during that day, I talked to two high school students who are running their own film festival called the Pegasus Film Festival. And that it, it's going to be online. It'll be May 29th. So we did an interview that got uploaded. Uh, and they actually told me the schools are going to remain closed through the fall. So I don't know if that also means your campus, but they, they said that they've talked to uh, people at colleges saying that they're not going to open back up in the fall. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, we'll see, but that does bring me to something, because, uh, Michael, you invited me to an event that's happening July 3rd through the 5th. What's going on with that? Well, if you recall, Alcon got canceled after one day, which was pretty financially devastating to the con itself. Um, they'd already paid everybody uh, their airfare, their hotel rooms, all of that stuff, they'd already set everything up, paid the hotel, and then it was canceled, so they didn't take in the money that they wanted to. So this is a fundraiser. It's kind of a mini Alcon, uh, the best of Alcon. There won't be any guests, but they will have a small vendor room and several social activities, and the Friday night we will be showing William Castle tribute, House of Ghosts, Christopher R. Mims film, and we'll be doing our 4D extravaganza of the House of Ghosts with monsters in the aisles and all sorts of things going on. I think you've been to one of those screenings, haven't you, Chase? Yeah, I have. Uh, here, here's where I now I, I'm gonna. I, I don't know how to really put this, but uh, I I don't see this even ending well because uh, the way things are going and the way things are progressively getting worse, I. I don't see, I mean, maybe they'll say, no, we're committed to July 3rd to the 5th, but, I mean, for one, you have a lot of people just not social distancing or doing any of that. Uh, I mean, for people we know who are cosplayers in the con community, they've been out going to bars and going to restaurants uh, without masks on, and I... Yeah, even though they'll say, hey, you want six feet apart, you can sort of get around that by going to the back of the Crown Plaza and then just, you know, rubbing off on each other or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get they want to make their money back, but something tells me that this is going to end with a lot of people getting infected. But, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, you stay safe and be careful but uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very worried about that event. Well, actually, this event was planned before any of this happened. It was just going to be a little extra, little all-con thing. And like, they are, are they watching doing it online. Well, because they make no money. They make no money online. Okay. Well, um, now uh -huh. this this is planned. It had been planned, but it is being monitored very carefully, and it's quite clearly stated it could be canceled if things aren't going better. Okay. So, I mean, they're ready to, to pull it back. In fact, but if you buy tickets for it, uh, if you buy anything, if you buy a vendor table, anything like that, it's considered a donation. There are no refunds on this one. So, you know going in, it's like, hey, I'm donating my money to Alcon. We'll have this little mini-con, but if not, keep my money, and because I want to see Alcon happen again next year. I have a feeling that uh, it could still happen next year. It probably will be scaled back. Like, they won't be able to afford, you know, as many guests. Maybe not even any guests. And I think that's what's going to happen to a lot of these uh, cons. I mean, yeah. I, well, I the, hope the big they cons don't yeah. pay their guests. Yeah. They give them guarantees. Uh, you know, we guarantee you'll make this much money while you're here. And that's how they determine their autograph prices and such like that. This all kinds a little different. They actually do pay their yes. Um, so it, it would be, it, it has been pretty devastating for them, but they are watching it and it is subject to, they'll just cancel it if it isn't going to be safe. Okay. I mean, it, it, there, it's very, very unlikely things are going to get better by July. But if, if it does, I mean, on that rare chance that it does, and all right, I mean, I, I would... You know, if you were able, if they're gonna, you know, be serious about it and say, hey, you gotta wear masks, you gotta keep six feet apart, but you got, you know, you got those handful of people that be like, I, I, I Corona, what's that? Like, I, I never got sick, so you know what? Let's party. That's my biggest concern with this going through in July. But the fact that you know, if they're going to change, say things aren't getting better, then you know that is good to hear. Because uh, that that was something I just felt really nervous about. I was like, oh no. But I mean, if they are if they are going to push it back, uh, say infections are still going up and you know things are still closing down. But yeah, it's just that I this is a you know we're just gonna have to accept that this is a long term thing going on and it might not be over by the end of 2020. I know. People are trying to rush to get a vaccine done, but, you know, experts are saying it's not actually going to work uh, unless you take your time on it. I, again, we have, we have no idea what's going to happen. Just, you know, for the time being, every information we know about this situation that's been coming up is not a sign of this is going to end soon. So, yeah, I mean, I hope, but... Uh, that, that's still good. I mean, I'm just hoping you be careful because the, the the last thing I want to see is you get infected uh, and then, you know, it'd just be me. <laughs> me and Lauren will just have an episode where it's just a funeral. But it, that, I, I'm... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't really know much about cons, but I just really hope that whatever happens, everyone comes to a solution that keeps everyone safe and doesn't hurt anyone's livelihood so i'm hopeful that this breaks out for <laughs> lauren i i know i know poor lauren she, I, I i mean i want to be that person too I, I mean a lot of my friends say oh hopefully this will be over soon and i'm just like 
I love you, but I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I, I want, yeah. I, I know. I want this to be over soon too, but it, it won't. It's, I mean, it's, it's very much a fantasy that this is gonna be over in a couple months, but I don't know. I, anyway, <laughs> let's get on this show. I, uh, I hope I didn't scare you with uh, any of that, Michael, because I. I'm just, you know, as a friend, I just wanted to, you know, make sure you're careful and all that. And like I said, they're monitoring it real close, and they're quite aware that they might be canceling. And there's a possibility okay. we do see a drop through the summer, and then it acts like a flu and comes back in the fall. We'll have to well, see what happens. So they actually didn't give a recent report. They said that uh, they debunked. So there was for a while there was a there was a. Um, a rumor or a prediction saying that the summer heat will actually burn off the uh, or coronavirus. It'll, it'll go away temporarily for the summer. And recently they just debunked that and said, nope, the virus will still be here no matter what temperature. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I don't which know. Which is similar to the flu. which it, It's around in the summer. We just don't see a lot of cases of it. I, I hope. I mean, and, yeah, so, it's like we're we're only gonna we're gonna have to wait and see. That's the only thing yeah. we can do. But for right now, that's what we're planning. And if it changes, it changes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's good. So you know, we we won't have to do. We have to. Yeah. So. Uh, I I hope. Uh, yeah, because if things are better, I want to go to Alcon. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. You know, giving this sort of being the bad news bear because I don't want people to see people have fun. I want to go out there too, but you know, this is not the flu. This is much worse. So we, you know, we can't place our bets on all this just yet. Uh, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, apparently the state fair is saying we're going to open up in September. So I don't really know what's going to happen. Mm, that seems sad. <laughs> yeah, because like, that's when it like first just starts getting cold again and stuff. So the state fair said that we are gonna we're gonna go through with opening the state fair on September, and they also said that unless if we get into another lockdown and the government forbids us from going forward, we're just gonna you know let the doors open. They said that they're gonna. They, they might do some sort of thing to check to see if you have COVID or whatever, but for the most part, they're going to welcome everybody in the state fair, which, oh boy. Yeah, uh, now now I know how you feel about the Alcon thing, because, like, I love the fair. I love to go, but I just think that that doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is... You could say, you know, we're monitoring something heavily. We're going to say, you know, keep six feet apart. There are those rebels. There are those people out there saying, hey, we don't give a crud. Uh, I've had friends told me. I had friends told me directly saying, uh, coronavirus, uh, it's no big deal. You got to keep moving. You got to go outside and keep going. And I'm like, no, this is kind of a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, Alcon is similar to State Fear, as in it is a public gathering. And... <laughs> you know, we're, there's there's no proof that public gatherings will be safe in the summer at, at this time. But you know, who knows in the end of June? So I I don't know. But 
Yeah. Anyway, let's get on to the show. I, I don't mean to bring this on. I, I'm not trying to, you know, be a negative Nancy and all that because, you know, I miss all kind of miss my friends. I miss you, Lauren. I miss uh, uh, Michael. I would love to go to the House of Ghosts events. I'm not against Alcon continuing having a fundraiser and having an event uh, over any time. It's just that it's a combination of, you know, things still going downhill and the fact that you just have those dumb people out there who just don't get it. And that's where I'm, I'm very much skeptical of skeptical on the, uh, the, the uh, Alcon summer plans, but not in a way where I am rooting against it. And I hope that is, uh, comes across. But, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think if you... Uh, or, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping. I, I don't want you to get sick, Michael. I, I mean, I, I hope you know where I'm coming from with this conversation. I, I'm quite not wanting to get sick myself. Yeah. But they are selling a very limited number of tickets to this fundraiser also. I, I, about twenty five percent of what they would normally put on in there, so it can be spaced out pretty well. But I understand your concerns, and they understand them too, and are watching it quite carefully. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's get on the show uh, today, and uh, you know, in order to kind of keep the flow going, we're going to start with Barney. Uh, did you, uh, Lauren? Did you see Barney? I know Michael. <laughs> yeah. Um. I saw it. I thought it was it was fine. It was definitely like. A very solid first movie to take a to take a toddler to. Um, I saw it when I that was also the first movie I saw in theaters because wow. that was '98. So I was hoping it would like unlock some deep memories and I would be able to do like some regression therapy from it. But that didn't happen. It was it was like it was all new to me. I didn't remember anything. <laughs> so. Uh, wow, we we really kind of get into it because uh, I I was gonna I was gonna take this one step at a time because I I've had a history of Barney too. I mean, you know, when I grew up uh, watching as a little kid, my my toddler entertainment was Barney the Dinosaur. It was Teletubbies. It was all of those coked up '90s uh, TV shows re- revolving around mascots with sort of robotic uh, faces, like the you know those. Those, those faces that have blinking eyes and just uh, one moving mouth and everything. Uh, it, you know, Teletubbies. There's probably some others that I'm blanking on, but yeah, uh, there was a lot of weird shows back in the day as far as, like, toddler entertainment. And yeah. Compared to today where you have something very innocent and simple like Peppa Pig or, uh, you know, any of the stuff on Nick Jr. Uh, but... Yeah, back then they they were high. <laughs> it, what's funny is the, some history that I knew about Barney is that now I I don't know what's going on with the property Barney the dinosaur as of late. The last thing I saw apparently Barney went animated. There was like a little short where uh, it, uh, Barney was an animated character, so I don't know if that's the current direction of Barney. That wouldn't surprise me. That's what they've done with Daniel Tiger. Okay. So... And much, uh, much cheaper to produce. Yeah, and I think the other thing is... I don't know if this is true, but apparently 
the guy who mascots and plays Barney, uh, there was a moment where he stubbed his toe and he like cursed on on camera and they they fired him and then he started doing drugs. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's the full story, but I I heard that was the reason why they changed Barney actors or they changed direction for Barney. So <laughs> I know that one of the actors lives nearby because Barney was like filmed in North Texas and actually like if I actually have a lot of like friends and acquaintances who were on the show because they were young at the time it was filmed in North Texas I couldn't have been on it because I lived elsewhere but um yeah like a lot of like just people I know were like on Barney because it was something that was being made nearby yeah but yeah, Barney. What what Barney is? I mean, for those who don't know, because you know, there's an entire generation of kids who don't know anything about Barney. It's very possible. I mean, you know, generations change so much. Uh, my my three year old niece doesn't even know what Scooby Doo is. So there's it is entirely possible someone doesn't know about Barney. But Barney is kind of that uh, children's show where you got this uh, very family friendly. Uh, dinosaur uh you know hanging out with the kids telling them about imagination and singing songs stuff that you see in you know a lot of toddler shows so with its first it's only it's only theatrical released movie this was released on the big screen alongside the world is not enough or episode one the phantom menace and i will get back to why uh you know you know that is uh, interesting but yes this was released on the big screen and the story of this well you had it, it i like how it starts off because it's a whole family on the car ride and you hear this sort of a 1940s rendition of barney it's almost like a song you hear in a fallout game or wolfenstein it goes like barney he's the dinosaur barney <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be really interesting if there was like a, a Hitler Barney. Vikings is Barney the Thunder Lord. Oh, no, you a jewel. Oh, well, I, I can't. I don't like you, but oh, yes. I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> but yeah, Martin Lauren's speechless now. Anyway, back to the movie. What? What? Oh, I had nothing to say. I was just <laughs> waiting for you to continue with the recap. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Barney, uh, well, actually, before we even get to Barney, it's uh, this whole family in a car ride back home. And the, you, it, it being a 90s film of, it, of its own, it's got the types. The, the girls, they're all about giggling, playing with dolls, and, you know, playing dress-up. And then the one, uh, the one kid uh, or male kid who's Cody, uh, he's all he about. Funny. Yeah, he's he's all about destruction and wrestling and robots. And oh, he just wants to like hate on them in the beginning. For no <laughs> reason. Such a hater. For no reason, he just wants to hate on them because ew, girl stuff. You need to be in the uh, Godzilla and all that crud. Man, I, I, laser beams and all that. So it is, it is pretty much stereotyping the girls and the boys. Uh, it, what what a lot of 
A lot of it, whenever like some lady or some guy thinks very little of the opposite gender, this is pretty much what they think the opposite gender is. Uh, and there, there are girls who think very little of guys, and there are guys who think very little girls. So I mean, hey, this is <laughs> this is uh, true to that. But yeah, and I actually do like that there is a little bit of diversity, and I mean a little bit. The the main. Uh, 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 what was the, the the little girl's name? Uh, shoot. Hold on, let me bring it back up. Uh, oh, crap. Oh, uh, sorry. Abigail, uh, played by Diana, Diana Wright. Uh, Diana Rice. And uh, Mar Marcella being the, you know, the black uh, girl. You don't ever see her parents, by the way. But, you know what, that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, what matters is you know they're all get, having a fight with each other because uh, Cody's like man I don't like this girl stuff I don't want to be around you and uh, they're like oh Cody but you need to believe in imagination and just 10 or 15 minutes in we get Barney uh, the, the uh, girls they drop Barney into or they 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 wish for something. They drop Barney into uh, the the tub, and they uh, you know the the sheets are uh, closed. And Cody's like, "Yeah, right. Barney's not real." And then the tub just comes alive, and <laughs> Cody opens up, and then hey, it's Barney the dinosaur. And here's the thing: Barney the dinosaur is freaking terrifying. That is something I just noticed being <laughs> 25 years into my life, is that this freaking dinosaur is actually really scary. Or, do you, would you agree with me, Lauren? Um, I mean, I guess. I, I didn't get that impression, but I think if it had been real, yeah, that would have been pretty scary. <laughs> Well, the, the thing what makes this, you know, Bar this Barney character so creepy in live action is that, for me, it's the fact that he, it's a mascot, but the mascot has blinking eyes and this really, really unnatural grin that just keeps moving up and down fast. Like his... So you his... would prefer it if he didn't blink? No, I would prefer something like, uh, you know, Big Bird? Yeah. Yeah, Big Bird, he's... He's kind of a little bit more, like, the animation in his mouth and also just his eyes is a little more calm compared to Barney. Barney, it's just super quick. So oh, that's what makes that's what makes it kind of unnerving is, you know, Barney's smile and then how fast he's talking uh, and <laughs> how fast his mouth is moving while he's blinking. It's, it, it is like a robot coming to life, but... Not only that, but Barney is kind of a pedophile. <laughs> because he doesn't know these kids. And he is, like, touching them and hugging them. And K Cody's like, you're, you're not real. You're not real. And Barney's like, oh, Cody, you need to believe in yourself. And I'm like, Barney, okay, you're alive, but you don't know Cody. So why are you hugging him? Well... <laughs> Barney had been a toy that these kids had had presumably for a while, so but, maybe but, the girls yeah. told him about 
Cody. Well, but no, the girls are like, you know our, you know my name, uh, so, and uh, uh, Barney's like, of course I do. Like even the kids don't know that Barney knows them. Uh, even though with that, yeah, he's a doll. But and I like how the girls are like, Barney, you're alive. This is awesome. And Cody's the one who's freaking out for a little bit. And then through the rest of the movie, he's like, Yeah, right. Imagination's not real. But I'm like, Cody, you just saw a dog come to life, and he's been like touching you for the first twenty minutes of this movie. So I think you should realize that maybe he is real, or else he'll go somewhere that is probably not appropriate. And so it, that's the thing. Barney is just a really strange character in a way that I just today it's a little disturbing. And it, I I mean I've not seen not no I. I no, that's not, not saying that, you know, love is not uh, sweet. You know, people hugging each other. I'm always supportive of that. Well, I mean, not now, of course, but, you know, pre-corona, friends hugging friends, hugging family members, that's always great. But if you go up and hug someone you've never met, that might be a little much. Uh, unless, if, you know, they're depressed and they're looking for a hug, maybe, but... If it's someone you just don't, you just met, I, I, I think don't that's know. more like a way to address the con constraints of the costume. Because, like you said, he can't really show emotion or, you know, show that he's happy to see these kids unless he does something over the top, like a hug. You can't really tell. So, I really think it was more but he's of a always way grinning, to. So, he's it'll... always happy. That's a thing. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, 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 I will. I will insert a little piece in here. Um, the hugging. It's a big yeah. thing now. Um, you know, you go to a con and all your friends, oh, give me a hug, I want a hug, 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 hug. It wasn't that way before. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether, like when I was going to high school, stuff like that. Hugging each other as friends just wasn't a big deal. I think it's Barney that really got that going. That oh really? hugs are the big thing, and I I truly believe it was probably Barney that started that sort of trend because that was not the case when I was younger. Huh? Huh? That okay? So maybe he's not a pedophile. <laughs> I, I don't think Barney was a pedophile. I do have a Barney story. Interesting enough, even though I did not watch the movie because I couldn't sit through it, um, I used to dress as Barney. I worked at okay. a I worked at a theater that had a costume shop associated. People would come on in all the time saying, "Hey, I want a Barney costume or several other things, but I want someone to be in it for my kid's birthday party." It paid seventy five dollars for an hour's worth of work, so I was like, oh, "Barney, right here," and I'd get in the suit and go do kids' birthday parties. And my favorite was uh, the kid whose birthday party was a little boy. He was like five perfect Barney age. He had an older sister who was about nine. So I'm there, I'm in this costume, I'm playing tapes of his songs and, you know, dancing along with them. And all of a sudden she comes up and I looked through the mouth of the Barney outfit. She looked straight up and all of a sudden I could tell she just saw me. She could see me <laughs> And I'm just waiting for the scream to come. And it's like, Barney ate someone. You know, he's inside. 
and the little girl just looks up at me, and then she puts her finger to her mouth with, you know, shh. She goes, I won't tell. And she goes <laughs> wandering back away. That was just my favorite Barney moment. Okay. Uh, that's an emotionally intelligent kid, because if I was nine, I would want to ruin it for everyone. I would want to be like, he's not real, I saw the person. Yeah, so that and that's why her. it surprised me so much. It was either going to be she was going to, oh, there's a person in the suit, or just be scared to death that Barney had eaten someone and he was still inside her. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, fan art photos of, like, Barney being a murderer, or, you know, Barney killing people, so... I I would I guess that's where why I'm kind of saying okay what well, should Barney be around these kids but I, I mean over time that tends to not be the priority because the movie gets so so wacky so random that you're just kind of going what the heck is going on right now because the whole plot of it is they need to retrieve this egg this magical egg that you know every now and then it's like it, it unleashes a new color and if it gets to the this and all these colors then the egg is about to hatch and they need to put it back in its nest so the egg could properly hatch and all of their dreams will come true but you know uh, cody needs to learn the power of imagination and what it means to be a kid and yeah, th this movie is all over the place because they go they go through so many different things. They go through a parade, they go through some magical, uh, almost like a little whack, uh, a tree, tree house or tree building. They they go up to the sky. They go to a fine restaurant where uh, Barney does a little tap dance, a musical number, and all the adults are, like, going crazy over Barney. They're like, yeah, you go, Barney! There was, like, one, like, colored guy in the back. He's like, yeah, Barney! <laughs> it's like, what the... Okay. <laughs> the, the songs, they, they're, they're not good. Uh, it, I mean, it starts with Old MacDonald Had a Farm and... Uh, and uh, and twinkle twinkle little stars, and then it just goes through some songs that I I will not remember from you know th this point on. Uh, it's I mean regarding Barney as kind of a film, it's very cheap, it's, and you kind of look back at like okay, isn't this released at home? But it's because the lighting in this is very cheap uh, in fact there are parts where they're in a they're in a circus and it, the camera is so darn bright that it's uh, the, the contrast of uh, you know the kids and Barney you it's it's like you're <clears throat> the the part where they go to the circus it's like someone just put the sun into your eyes <coughs> excuse me I had a uh, vitamin water but yeah when they go to the circus like it is just so darn bright and i'm like oh my gosh the contrast in here and then when they go up to the sky it's like they're behind a green screen you could see the green screen lines and then they turn into a jpeg image when they try to chase down the uh the egg so you look at all this and you're like 
is this movie direct to video or is it on the big screen? And no, this was on the big screen next to films like, again, The World Is Not Enough and and uh, uh, Phantom Menace. You could just see a huge difference in filmmaking as, as far as, you know, where the quality is at. It's... I mean, yeah, it's a movie that you'll definitely be entertained by. To what reason, I don't know. But I didn't feel bored because the movie kept moving and it kept getting really strange. Like, everybody, not just Barney is full of magic, but everybody's got magic. There was a juggler that can just teleport to places. And you don't even know why. He just has that ability. <laughs> and... Just everybody is just so excited to see Barney whenever he shows up. Uh, like everybody in the whole planet just loves Barney, and also his dinosaur friends. I should mention that even though Barney is the main character, he's got his two sidekicks. I forgot their names. Uh, shoo, who are they? Uh, I, BJ, BJ and Bop. I think it's Baby Bop and BJ. But you know the green and the uh, yellow dinosaurs that you normally see in the show. It, like there, the I think it was either I think it was Baby Bob. Uh, Baby Bob was like, "Where's my blankie?" Oh, you went. I lost my blankie. It went this way. Hey, you guys can go back to what you're doing. And they're like, "Yeah, you go find your blankie, baby. You're so awesome." Like everybody looks at these three like they're the most incredible things they've ever seen. And I'm actually just a little creeped out by them instead. <laughs> and, but I will say that even though as, as happy as all three of these characters are, there's a part, there's parts where Barney actually breaks out of his happy-go-lucky uh, attitude, uh, especially when you know his old his old uh, uh, lesson he's trying to teach uh, Cody is you know believe in imagination and uh, all that. And then when Cody, you know, Cody finally turns around, uh, uh, he's like, you know what, I know how we can go get that egg up in the sky with the power of imagination. And Barney's like, wait, what? And I was like, the, the lesson that Barney taught to trying to teach to Cody through the whole movie, now Barney's kind of confused at his own message. Uh, and there was a part where I think it was Baby Bop. Baby Bop was like, "Yay! I'm so happy to see you, Barney." And Barney's like, oh, "Okay, get off of me! I'm going this way." <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess even though it is cheap and it is, I mean, it is definitely aimed at little kids. I, I wouldn't even say kids. I would definitely say toddlers. As, as you said, Lauren, because anyone older at that will just look at the story and go like, okay, this this whole thing is dumb as heck, and, uh, and a lot of this doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, hey, it is very whimsical. It's it's very happy-go-lucky. There is... It, it, it's very innocent. It's Besides the opening parts where I thought Barney was kind of a pedophile, but past, past that parts... Castle scenes. It it was just a really crazy kids movie that I, I you could just get high on, like you could get you could get a lot of edibles and to watch Barney. <laughs> I don't know if I recommend it, especially in these times where you're stuck at home. I don't eat edibles. I don't uh, smoke coke or don't don't snort uh, heroin. 
But if you want to do to a, mo- a movie, then I definitely would recommend Barney this great adventure because throughout the whole thing, it is crazy. It, it, never, it never slows down. You never get a moment where things are dull or things are not happening. It, it goes from one crazy musical number to, you know, one little uh, go- goofy set piece, you know, where they're, they're going on... I'd say they're riding on a horse to find the egg. Like, this whole movie is them trying to chase this egg and making sure it doesn't break. And the egg, they keep on getting so close to achieving this egg. And the egg is, it's like that cartoon where you have that one person trying to get that one object, and that one object just keeps slipping off of them. And, uh, which, yeah, there's there's a ton of hijinks like that, uh, I would assume this is done on a very low budget because a lot of this does not look like it needs to be on the big screen. But I, I, I know I enjoyed it. I, I, I will, you know, we're on debate. Is it a bad movie? I mean, I'd say it works with its intended audience. But yeah, if you were an, an adult watching this film, you'll definitely grow crazy. And as to all the, the, the weird fever dream that happens with, uh, you, you know, them going from place to place to place. And especially how it ends as sort of a toy commercial. Because <laughs> where you find out what that egg actually is, it's pretty much a Happy Meal toy. I, I'm not saying what, what it is, but uh, there is there's a bit of, you know... Uh, advertising and the end of this film because uh, they want to sell you that plush doll there probably was a pl- i mean i don't remember there probably was some the the plush doll of the the creature and the egg uh at uh, like walmart stores back in the 90s there's there's so many 90s toys uh, i mean in, in the convention scene there's i mean there there are uh conventions where people actively go out to find toys I bet there's somewhere there's a uh, Barney's Great Adventure magical creature. Yeah, I I give it a high decent because I was enjoyed by it. I can't tell if it's a good movie though. That's the thing. But uh, Lauren, what about you? Yeah, in terms of kids' movies, Toy Story, it is not. No, it, it is. It, you're right. It's definitely not something that everyone can enjoy. Um. I I do um appreciate the little blast from the past though, so yeah. I mean, I'm not mad about it. No, I, I'm not going out like, man. Can you believe what they did back in the '90s with toy, uh, with uh, Barney? Now, the, regarding this being displayed on the big screen, it shouldn't have because that this movie does not look like a, a a theatrical film at all. But outside of that, I, no, there was nothing to be upset about or, you know, I, I mean, you'll get, I got creeped out through the first part of the film and then through the last one. It's just like, okay, we're just, we're going through one crazy scene to another. And the film is actually pretty short. It's like an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes. It's, it's less than an hour and a half. So it, it runs, it's, it runs by pretty quickly and yeah, by the end you're like, okay, what did I watch? I, I don't know, but I I guess I'm enjoying it in, in some ways. Yes, Barney the Dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> and, and Cody, the, the way he changed from being a punk kid to a 
nice punk kid. <laughs> I mean, by the end, he's still going to be, uh, you know, playing with robot toys. And, you know, when he, when he goes to high school, he's going to think about having sex with people. But, <laughs> I mean, me and, me and Lauren went to Allen High School, so we know how that is. Uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, let, let's go. <laughs> so, sorry, Lauren, I, I didn't mean to bring back memories. But uh, what? Oh, I, I had nothing to say. I was just <laughs> thinking about high school. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, I mean, I, I don't mean to get back into the, the, our su subject before, but uh, do you know that Allen High School is going to have a, their uh, graduation in person? Yes, for the fall. Yes, for the fall. Al Allen High School is effed up. Uh, I, I had to admit it to the high school students I interviewed for their Pegasus Film Festival. That, that school is a nightmare. But <laughs> anyway, now on to William Castle, which is, I mean, I'm, it, it, it's no... no Sudden, not, no subtle secret to say that uh, Michael is a big fan of William Castle, and uh, I mean that's inspired a lot of uh, Chris Remem's films. I, I was, what I, what was probably your first uh, William Castle experience? Uh, the first one I think I remember was probably House on Haunted Hill. Okay, yeah, that came out. Uh, we're gonna get to that, but I, the first one I want to start with is uh, the Whistlers. Uh, mysterious intruder and I was I found this very interesting that William Castle he had a series of shorter films now a lot of his films they at least I'm going by these at least this and uh, the house on Haunted Hill but they seem to be just roughly an hour long like they they're not that long of a movie but the, the Whistler is kind of uh, this guy who narrates uh, a uh, tale, and it's kind of like one of those old noir, like, it was, it was a dark and, no, it was a dark and stormy night. Uh, the, the sky was blue, and uh, my footsteps were silent, and I went inside the, I went inside the coffee shop and ordered a latte or something like that. But in, in this one, it's uh, about an uh, intruder, that uh, oh wait Lauren did you see or I know we we talked a lot about Rosemary's Baby and the House on Haunted Hill but who saw a Mysterious Intruder? Yes, I did. Okay, I've seen I it. Saw it. All right, did did you see Mysterious? I mean, you you probably weren't around for that long to see Mysterious Intruder on on the big screen because while well, it came out uh, 1946 I believe 44 uh, oh 44 okay that maybe I'm thinking about another one but yeah what was probably your first experience with uh, you know watching uh, the Whistler series and specifically you know uh, Mysterious Intruder me no uh, Michael because Michael's had a big oh. history with one castle so this would be interesting uh, this is one I didn't catch until way, way, way later. Um, you know, it's, it's such an older film, and it wasn't being shown on TV often, and there wasn't video until later in my life. But uh, William Castle made competent B-movie thrillers and horror films. They weren't great art, but they did okay. And they were perfect for the double feature 
that you had in movies then. You always saw two movies. Uh, there was the main movie that you went to see, and then there was a lesser movie. And those would normally be the William Castle films. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, he'll... This, this is... Uh, I don't know how many... I think there is, like, six uh, Whistler movies, but... Uh, and, and, yeah, in this one, regarding The Mysterious Tudor, it's uh, about Edward Stilwell, the aged puppeteer of a music store, hiring a private detective, and who, I, I assume... I haven't seen the other Whistler films, but I assume he's the staple of all these movies. Uh, Don Gale, uh, playing Dix, Define, uh, Elora... Lud, a thin 14-year-old uh, girl who vanished seven years ago at the time of her mother's death. Stalwell can only pay $100, but hints mysteriously that finding Lud, Lynn could make Gale a rich man. So there's a little uh, money scandal in this movie here. But... You know, and then we have a young woman claiming to be Elora uh, Lund showing up at Stillwell's shop, supposedly in answer to this newspaper advertisement. So, what what is the you know what is the truth? What is the lie here? Uh, I mean, the mysterious intruder. But it's also in part of the movie you do actually have a, an intruder scene, but. I mean, yeah, I think this is pretty much, as you said, a, a uh, competent B-movie uh, noir. It's kind of like one of those... You, you see you see either parodies or references to old uh, noir films, or they're black and white. And you have those guys just talking very sophistic, uh, sophistically. Uh, you know, wearing, the, wearing those uh, detective hat, uh, hats and uh, trench coat... Oh, excuse me. And uh, it kind of... It, uh, I mean, it's authentic in that way, in that regard. There was nothing of the film to me that wowed me. And what I mean is that I was kind of going through it, uh, you know, enjoying it just fine, but there wasn't anything I thought to be very memorable about it uh, besides, while well, the filmmaking, uh, you know, being... Just that old uh, school noir story, but uh, I mean, Lauren, uh, what about you with uh, William Castle and this film specifically? Yeah, so um, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> I actually never saw any of his movies because I thought they were all kind of like the type of thing that, um, like you know, like there's effects like the Emergo in House on Haunted Hill. So I thought they were all kind of supposed to be like kind of like communal experiences. And so I didn't make it out to the one that they did like last fall in Dallas. So I was like, I'll just wait around. And I never really had an opportunity to see one until this podcast. But I always, well, as long as I knew about him, I really respected what he did because I know he's a big influence on John Waters and I'm a huge John Waters fan. So I was glad to get to see where he gets some of his inspiration. I like this one. I didn't love it. Um, I thought that Richard Dix and Helen Mowry, who was his like co-conspirator, gave good performances, and there were some nice stylish shots. But I don't think I would watch it like again right away. 
Yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes through the moments, and uh, even though there was a twist at the end, uh, leading up to it, I was like, okay, it's, I mean, I, I see it like, uh, uh, what's, uh, there's, there's like a, uh, a noir film on Iron, during Iron Giant, that, uh, I mean, you know, going back to movies I remember when I was a kid, and, uh, you know the uh, main character watching a old noir film uh, on TV, um, all black and white, and you know talking about it's a killer or anything. Uh, and this kind of felt like something that you see other characters watch on TV, but it's not the main importance because you know at the end of the day it's all about the Iron Giant. And same with this is that I I didn't walk out of this really feeling anything outside of just basic entertainment which is fine uh, I yeah it was it was just nothing that I I, I would probably watch again uh, but it did I, I would it made me like maybe somewhat curious about the other Whistler movies just because I mean I, I do like an old-fashioned noir but yeah, there's just not really much to say about it. I, I mean, I, I barely remember why or anything of this film, and I saw it last week. This but, is really early in his career. Yeah, um, he he's a he's a contract director at the time, so basically it's yeah. Here's a script. Here's a cast. Make a movie. There's this much money to do it, and that's what yeah, he did. It's not till later that William Castle really comes into the stuff that made him memorable and famous. That's when he started producing and having more input on his films. But this is basically a contract job. It's like, yeah, here you go. Make this. Which was very common at the time. Okay. So, I mean, every every legendary director, they always have their moments of like, okay, this is, this is probably something they were passing to get to their bigger thing. And that's what I felt about this movie. I, I mean, yeah, it's by by acting, by by cinematography, it's it, it does its job. It's just like, yeah, I, I don't really find the characters all that exciting. And then, uh, as much as it, it does have a twist that did surprise me, it, it it wasn't where I was like, oh my gosh, man, this is, movie is amazing. What a twist! It's just like, okay, it's a it's a twist that makes me feel like there was a little bit something or it instead it just made me feel like okay well this made me excited about William Castle's further film or feature films not feature films but you know past the time when he was making this because uh, it really seemed like he was exercising with this movie rather than kind of passionately putting all of his uh, you know all of his marbles in but yeah, I just uh, I give it a regular decent. It's it's a movie. It's in fact it's one of those date night movies where you want to cuddle with your other and uh, put on an old noir film while it's raining outside, uh, like now. Then yeah, uh, watch it and then you know have sex or something. <laughs> I'm, I, I, why am I always thinking that's the that's the that's the uh, you might, you know, cuddle and then go to bed or whatever, and then wake up and forget what you saw. But yeah, that's that's uh, I don't know. That's how I feel about uh, this, the Whistler slash mysterious intruder. 
it seems like we're all uh, we all agree and you know feel the same way about this movie but uh yeah and uh, that leads us to the house on haunted hill which as soon as i played this movie i it freaked the heck out of me because the movie didn't even start the, the until like like as soon as i pressed play on uh watching this movie the first thing that happened was a horrific scream and when that happened i jumped because again there's no build-up there's no you know there's nothing to tell you that there's a there's a jump scare or even just a scare of some sort happening and yeah i'll admit that that's that scream got to me uh because literally the movie opens up with the scream while things are still rolling or things are still opening up before you even get to know what the plot is uh and i mean i guess that is fitting with the house on haunted hill released 1959 uh fully directed by william castle this is considered one of his uh highlighted films i believe or is there is there other movies that uh, you would say michael cross that is probably a bigger uh you know a greater uh, or bigger uh, William Castle production. I think this is the real beginning of what made William Castle famous. Um, and probably one of his best. You've got Vincent Price. You can't go wrong there. Um, and this is where he starts the gimmicks. Uh, the Emerjo. Uh, you saw the film, the floating skeleton and such, and they would float a green glowing skeleton through the theater while this was, yeah, while that scene was going on. And this started the put a gimmick in the film and people will come. And that's what William Castle is famous for, is doing these films with the gimmicks. Yeah. So that that's basically... So this movie was the main inspiration of the, the House of Ghosts? Absolutely. Okay, because uh, I, I felt like there were some similar things between this and the House of Ghosts. And what this... Uh, oh, by the way, there was also a remake of this movie. I, I found out that there was a 1999 version of the uh, House on Haunted Hill. I haven't seen it, but that is interesting to know they remade this movie uh, in, like, at 1999. Uh, the same year as Barney the... <laughs> I know, but I, I maybe a later time we'll check out the remake. But for now... This and they movie, did a few. Yeah. They did a few of them. They remade House on Haunted Hill, which I've seen. It's not a bad remake. Um, then they redid Thirteen Ghosts, also another one of his films, um, okay. harkening back to that style of, of horror. Uh, but they amped it on up to a more horror, more modern horror, more blood, and of course in color. Yeah. Uh, so the the plot of this movie is that. Uh, one rich man and uh, he gets a group of uh, uh, curious people together and to basically play this game where it's supposedly a pretend a dark mystery and if they solve they solve the case uh, they get to come out with uh, a lot of money but it definitely felt like this set up to a reality show yeah it did actually there is a reality show like this I forgot the name of it, but it's a there is a reality show. I think it's on YouTube Red, but it's about all these all these stars trying to figure out who killed who, 
and uh, it, it did feel kind of similar to that this or to that I mean or that felt similar to this but yeah you have all you have the, the just this list of guests and uh, you know looking to get that mo- or get that money but at the, me- the same time there's a little conflict between the uh, hosts of uh, this little supposed haunted or is it haunted do we know what is real what is not real because later on uh, each of the house members they get spooked like crazy and then it gets to the point where even the even the host has no idea what is real what is not real so there's some interesting twists going on and uh, I will say is this is probably the best uh, Scooby-Doo movie or the, no, the best. I would say the best live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Make that correction, and I'll make that correction right now because uh, uh, it kind of felt like that. It, it, even though the very beginning was really scary, the the way of the the screams. Past that, the film is actually not that scary, which is fine because it, it it's very campy in a way of just being entertaining. Uh, I mean, they 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 really poke fun at the silliness. There's there's a lot of uh, really goofy uh, ha- or hauntings that don't at all feel frightening. In fact, they just they feel very silly. But it's like, yeah, the movie is very self aware of that, and. Uh, it's. I mean, there's there's things like a, a little rope just touching uh, one of the girls, and it doesn't. It's not even like to tie her up or to kill her or anything. It's just uh, a floating ghost uh, touching uh, someone with a rope. Uh, that was like my favorite effect. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell on these effects that they were moved by wires, and you know somebody. Somebody pulled some strings to move move things around, but I mean it's just very playful in that regard. That I I mean I just had a really silly smile on my face. Uh, yeah, I mean it just just as uh, the first movie, this is very B movie ish. Uh, I mean the the plot gets ridiculous as, as it does, and it's it's really just kind of a, a popcorn entertainment uh, for for that kind of old movie theory i mean in a complimentary to house of ghosts this would be one of the even even though that yeah it's not a christopher mim film but it, it would be another one of those things to put on the alma draft house and uh you know have those little interactive uh happenings go on just like the house of ghosts uh and in fact that would probably be the best way to watch this movie and and which you know now you can't but you know whenever things get better i mean say late next year and and you want in just in time for halloween and actually the texas theater just recently did a screening of uh, house on haunted hill that's (coughs) what i wanted to go to but i couldn't make it out yeah and they 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 did the whole emergio thing and uh there's just a lot of fans still out there and this is just cheesy fun entertainment especially when you get the gimmicks with it yeah i mean i caught it early on that is it is a very playful film i I mean especially when uh, they especially when their 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 uh ticket to their little their ticket to the game is like a real loaded gun 
Or at least not, maybe not even a real loaded gun, because that's the thing, is, is it a real loaded gun? But they're each given a gun. Uh, it's <laughs> part of the part of the game, which, you know, any other person would be like, uh, well, depends on who you are. Sorry, <coughs> if you were a pro-gun person, you'd be like, oh yeah, look at this baby, I got a pistol. Or you could be like, no, hey, you want, uh, you get that gun away from me, I don't want it, thank, no thank you. But... You know, it adds fun with a lot of uh, elements it plays around with, and uh, all the actors and actresses they, you know, they give some very uh, enjoyable performances. Uh, I mean, nothing groundbreaking, but it's, I mean, it's very, uh, it's a, it's a very playful film. And I'll say for those who look at the the title, the house on Haunting Hill, and there are people who don't like to get scared. I would not be discouraged by the title because the movie is not that scary once you get past that first scream. Uh, it's, it is so playful that you don't even you don't even recognize the horror element of it. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I mean I, I give it a, I'll give it a low good uh, stamp because I, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, uh, I, it's, it's see it makes me see what is so fascinating about William Castle in the first place and this is pretty much the film that did it but uh, yeah what about you Lauren uh, I um, was I knew this film for the gimmick so I think the biggest surprise for me was I think that it, it stood on its own as like an entertaining movie like uh, without the gimmick so that was a big surprise for me I liked the sets I think like the house looked really cool I liked all the performances I liked some of the spooky, cheesy hauntings, like that scene with the rope. Um, I really, I really did like this one. Okay, well, uh, uh, and the house on Haunted Hill itself—that that house—is uh, a rather famous house. It's been used in several movies. Oh, really? Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, there, there's a, there's a history of films or sets film sets that have been used for multiple films or different types of films so that's uh yeah and uh, i i'm glad i saw this so uh i mean michael of course you probably love this movie i mean that's the inspiration for uh chris remembers the house on or that and not, i was about to say the house on Haunted hill the house of ghosts D does that do do people who see the house of ghosts do they get that? Do they recognize it being kind of similar to the house on Haunted Hill, or is that something that uh, not anyone who has seen it? Yeah, definitely sees the association between them, and uh, I'm sure there are some people who see House of Ghosts like it, and then go back and watch the source material, the William Castle films. Which you can. This is actually on YouTube for free. Uh, all of these films. Like, that's the interesting thing is you, you can pretty much watch this film and, you know, you don't have to pay anything for it. And uh, it displays on its main quality. Uh, which, you know, it's really great. It's, uh, yeah, I, I had a good time with it. That leads us to Rosemary's Baby. And here's the thing is, with this movie, I actually, since I spent all morning uploading it, I forgot to finish it, so I actually do not know the ending of this movie yet. 
<laughs> like, like the most important part. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I no, I've seen like uh, an hour and a half of it, but I think what happened is uh, I went to bed, and then the morning after, uh, I, I guess I got caught up on trying to get the the other things ready, and just for some reason I didn't get to uh, finish this movie yet. But I, I mean, I've seen at least a lot of it, and uh, th- th- this one is. Okay, so I I was some when when I when this movie started, I was somewhat hesitant on even wanting to continue. The reason being is who the director actually is. So this is not directed by William Castle. He is a producer of it. And as uh, Michael told me uh, earlier, his producer role isn't really large. Uh, or as or, or what is that true by any means? Well, what. What had happened was William Castle had basically put himself in hock to buy the rights to the book Rosemary's Baby. And he actually bought them before the book came out, before it was published, uh, wanting to direct a a big budget because this there had already been a lot of buzz about this book, that it was going to be huge, and that it would end up being a big movie. Well, so he bought it. And then when the book was absolutely huge, it was a massive seller, the studio said, no, we're not going to let William Castle direct this. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's too big a property. And so he became a producer on it because he owned the rights to the book. So the director of this instead is a Roman man known, Yeah, Roman Plansky, which if you know about him recently, he's a convicted child rapist. And that's where I was like, okay, do I want to continue watching this? And th- that's where... Th- the interesting thing why I even picked this movie is that it, it goes through a discussion of do you separate the artist from the arts? And... Uh, which is a very interesting topic. I mean, for me, celebrities, I don't hold them too high on the he- pedestal because a lot of them tend to screw up air. I mean, like regular humans do, but some have done really terrible things, and I just, if I don't know this person, I mean, simply put, if I don't know that person, then I don't, I don't put just too much trust into them, Uh, unless, you know, I know enough about them, or something like that, vice versa, but I mean, I, I can treat a celebrity like a, a complete stranger uh, you know where people who they grew up with celebrities they feel like they know them and uh, with with Roman Polanski he's been known as this you know this legendary expert film director that in the 90s to early 2000s yeah he uh, did uh, some nasty things to a little girl now, uh, he didn't. He didn't face any charges, and uh, the the girl ended up saying, "You know what? I forgive you. We're gonna move on from this." And uh, they, even Quentin Tarantino, he caught heat because he said, uh, uh, "No, you know what? It's okay for him to do that." And then he's like, "All right, you know that was wrong." Uh, so I'm kind of on that. I'm I'm on that spot now. Where do I? It can I like put the name Roman Polanski out and just focus on the movie. And uh, But what, what about you guys regarding this 
you know this subject uh, on you know separating art from the artist. A big thing that makes a difference for me is to the extent to which like me consuming their art is like making them money. Like basically, like if an artist is dead, then I don't care because they can't make any more money from me watching the movie. It's why I stayed away from watching this movie for a while because it was, you know, still on Netflix. I assume he still gets royalties. Um, but I mean, you watched it for free. <laughs> so <laughs> th there's that. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I have a lot of like feelings on the issue and they change all the time. And it's hard to say what I feel about separating the art from the artist. Like overall, I can only speak to like in certain circumstances like, it, I can only speak about how I feel about a particular artist individually. Uh, what about you, Michael? Um, it, it's always a, you know, problematic thing. Yes, what he did was horrible. He was charged. He, he can't come into the United States. Uh, okay. He'll be arrested immediately if he did. If he, did. Uh, he lives in, in France now. But <clears throat> in the case of Roman Polanski, uh, some of these films, Chinatown, this one, uh, Tess of the Herbivals. Um he's just amazing director and I want to see this work so I kind of uh, well no he's horrible but this is beautiful especially Chinatown my favorite film of his so yes I will watch them uh, and yeah I, I'm divided but I don't want to not watch them it's the same with Woody Allen things have been about him but I love his movies and I continue to watch them yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah Allen's I mean... never been convicted Actually, either has been Polanski because he fled the country beforehand. Yeah. And, of course, we saw him recently in uh, the Tarantino film, uh -huh. um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. because it was his girlfriend, Sharon Tate, who was one of the people murdered by the Manson family, and they've put him into the film. Yeah, I was surprised by that, because I thought that Tarantino would want to distance himself from the comments he made by at least kind of... I don't know, minimizing the role of Polanski in the movie to a greater extent. I was surprised he was included. T Tarantino's a creep himself, too. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> but... And, yeah, so... I've... I, I Like, an example I'm going to put out there is... Actually, I'm going to put two examples out there. One of them is... Uh, what was it? Um, uh, Hacksaw Ridge which was directed by Mel Gibson, who, you know, recently he's been known as a racist, and, you know, he, 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 it was like a phone call with a woman that he was so upset with, uh, uh, he told him, or he told this woman, like, uh, he hopes he gets raped by a pack of N-words, and, and yeah, I, I don't support that at all, and I'm... He also went on an anti-Semitic rant with an officer and pulled him over. Yeah, and, but, I mean... See, there's I, one that it's like, yeah, no, I really don't like you, Mel Gibson, and I can avoid yeah. most of your work, because nothing recent has been that terribly good. But, again, I'll still watch Braveheart, because it's genius. But, yeah, that's the same with Hacksaw Ridge, is like, I... I enjoyed that film quite a bit, despite that it was directed by him, because it, it it is a well-made film. Like there's a, there's that point where, you know, someone could. Uh, when I associate people that I'm not that comfortable with, I mean people who do 
a lot of very uncomfortable decisions, very crazy decisions. Uh, not necessarily people who say, who like make, you know, cringy jokes or make awkward jokes. Like, I, I, I see no reason to get upset at James Gunn, especially not now. And, or, or Tom, or uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy who had directed uh, Joker, uh, Todd Phillips. Like, those, I don't put them on the same level at all with Mel Gibson or Roman Plansky. And it, Gibson, I think there's definitely some mental health issues that were going yeah. on during the time he had his, his incidents. And, and then the other there one are I'm, some people yeah. who really support him, like yeah. Jody Foster and people who know him, and they're people I respect. And so if, if they're willing to forgive, I probably am too, because it's not child rape. You know, it's he said inappropriate things. Yeah, uh, I mean that that's just with me is that I if some some actor does because I mean if some actor does some very uh, horrible things like it, it, there's already stuff going up about Zoe Saldana being against uh, gay marriage, uh, and I'm like, okay, if that's true, then that that's not. That's not going to make me not watch uh, The Mandalorian Season 2. That's just going to be like, okay, yeah, that's very terrible of her. But, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is, I don't I don't hold celebrities that highly. And uh, unless if there is a celebrity or a famous person that, you know, I know, like uh, Crystal Stark, who's been now famous over a TV show. I love her. She is a great friend of mine, and I'm... I'm actually excited to see her tomorrow night uh, for a thing that's coming on. But I uh, I mean, regarding, you know, these bigger tiered celebrities uh, who've been popular for things, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know them. So if they do something terrible, it's I, I don't think it's me supporting them by still watching... Uh, movies that they were involved in and it's almost kind of inescapable in some ways like uh, with Kevin Spacey for example uh, in Baby Driver I mean he played the villain role but Baby Driver it was all about uh, oh what was the actor's name but uh, that that was Edgar Wright's or really that that was like his uh, big uh, innovative uh film that he uh, put on uh, the guy who did uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and I don't think he even saw uh, Kevin Spacey's uh, things he did with a you know doing inappropriate things to a kid and that's also why he's actually currently working on a sequel so where I'm eventually getting to I, I, I had to sidetrack here because I, I do want to double check one thing uh, Zoe Saldana she yeah. is pro gay marriage Okay. It, In it fact, she yeah. she also considers herself bisexual, uh, and that's the, the scandal there. That you know, people who are not in favor of gay marriage, oh, she's you know she's a lesbian, she's this, and they're upset about her. Not that she is anti-gay marriage. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't mean. I, I, yeah. All right. Uh, that's. I just want to make sure that was clear. Okay. No, yeah, I was gonna great. say it's like great. I don't know anything about her personal life, but that seems kind of out of nowhere for someone who seems pretty progressive. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, people were really upset at Zoe Saldana uh, being able to play uh, Ahsoka, and there was something going on about uh, you know her and and gay marriage. So I I I didn't know what was going on. Sorry, I I didn't mean to put that misinformation out there, but. I, I'm my whole point where I'm 
getting back around to Rosemary's Baby was, yeah, at first I, I, I was hesitant on watching through Rosemary's Baby once I remembered that Roman Plansky directed it. But, you know, at one pressing play and then watching it through, I eventually had to separate the art from the artist. I mean, for one, I am watching it for free, so I'm not, he's not getting any money. Uh, so, but also, it is a well-made film. Yes, it is well-directed, is well-written. I mean, it's about Rosemary and Guy, which is uh, her uh, love interest. And uh, they're trying, or they're looking into, you know, having a baby. That's the big thing, is, you know, now they're married, they uh, got into a new home, and they're like, you know what's it like having a baby? Which, that's what a lot of, uh, uh, you know, married uh, couples, they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're wanting to uh, uh, look into or explore anything, is, you know, being a parent. But there's a lot of fears that go through it, and not just pregnancy, but also there is this ritual cult that uh, she is hallucinating, or maybe she's not. And she just gets all these nightmares about this little cult. What is she, uh, you know, the question is, uh, is she just believing things are crazy or is there something even worse going on? But yeah, I mean, I, it's really hard for me to say because I do not like Roman Plansky, but I, the, the hour and a half of, of the two hours that I saw it, I was really enjoying it. And that, that's where I, I just puzzled myself under, you know, me being very, you know, being very pro-progressive and being very, uh, you know, against all these, all this, thi- all these things. Like, do, does enjoying this movie make me supportive of that? I, now some people will say yes, I don't, I don't think so, because it's like there, there are so many people who watch movies and they don't think about the people who make those films. Right. So it's it's a hard spot to be in, but I'm, I am going to say for those who are that, you know what, I cannot watch a film that is directed by this person because of what he did. I would totally understand that. If you do not want to watch Rosemary's Baby because of the director and you know, uh, him raping a kid and then getting a, and then being able to flee the country and not face uh, charges in the U.S. I uh, was, I mean, I, I totally get it. Then I would not recommend you watching Rosemary's Baby. And I'm not putting this, uh, you know, to belittle that person. I think they are in the right. I mean, hey, if you don't feel comfortable watching this movie, then you, you shouldn't be pressured into seeing it just because it's considered a classic. Uh, but that being said, it's it is probably a great staple to one of William Castle's last films that he had, and even if he didn't actually make it, you know, it was the last one of the last films that was uh, had his name attached in some way, and uh, it's a you know it is a very timeless uh, horror film, and uh, it. It, the film itself kind of reminds me of 
uh, it reminds me of actually uh, what what's that guy's the the director of uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. Oh, Ari Aster. Yeah, yes. Ari Aster. It feels like the works of Ari Aster because Ari Aster would do something very similar to this on his way to just mess with your mind. And just pr- yeah, great... it's very psychological. Well, Astor owes yeah. a lot to both Polanski and Hitchcock. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I've loved his work. It's really good. Yeah, and actually, I also want to point out there is a remake of uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby as well. I have not seen it. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing the remake is to... I, I don't even know who made the remake, but I did look up and see that there is a recent version of the film uh, Rosemary's Baby. So maybe at some point to check that out, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is as as much as is directed by a person I really don't like. Uh, it, it is pretty much this became the platform to many great horror films of now. I mean, you could say Ari Aster, but even a little bit of uh, uh, you know a little bit of what's uh, uh, what. Uh, shoot, why am I forgetting some of these things? But uh, Joel or uh, Jordan Peele with doing uh, the or uh, us and uh, Get Out of his uh, his little um, influences from uh, what's that show on uh, CBS that he's also running? Uh, man, the Twilight Zone. The yeah. Twilight Zone. That, why am I forgetting the Twilight Zone? Yes, and he's it, doing a great job at it too. Yeah. But, I need uh, to check that out. No, actually, I saw the first episode of, the, of his version of the Twilight Zone. It's actually really good. But I mean, all, all those all those great series and all those great movies that we see today, it this this feels like a great influence to those. Because uh, I'm I mean, uh, the type of horror films that really get to me are the ones that aren't f- so focused on trying to just jump out and go boo and just you know go go for a a jump scare and this is the this is the spook that you get right now no it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna have you think about uh some of these themes which in this case is you know childbirth and uh then we're just gonna screw with your head and uh i i definitely enjoy that type of horror and uh it's I I mean I haven't seen the ending. That's the thing is apparently the ending is the most important part. So I now with that swing, what would you have to say about the last act? Well, um, I thought it was good. I think that it's definitely like not the scariest movie I've ever seen, but it's probably the one that makes me feel the most dread as like the situation really starts dawning on Rosemary, like and just every time like. Her husband shows up. It's like, oh, not you. And like, I think, it, I think it's a really good end. And the, the the way the film builds, just it, it keeps getting creepier and creepier. And this place they're living seems to get odder and odder. And the people that are being involved, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> there we go. Um, and as she keeps getting cut off from the rest of her world, as it keeps being. Yeah. Condensing on in just a brilliant piece of filmmaking. By the way, the the remake was a miniseries. Okay. And you know who played Rosemary? Who? Zoe Saldana. Oh wow, that's uh that's interesting. So uh, I I like Zoe Saldana. She was in uh, uh well I mean I mostly saw her in uh uh uh, uh, uh Luke Cage and uh, all the the Marvel Netflix films. I mean, there was there's some other films I've probably seen her in, but well, she was she, in, she was in Avatar. She was in Avatar. She was in Star Trek. She was in Pirates oh, yeah. of the Caribbean. 
Uh, she's done a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, no, I, I remember her now. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, I, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, right. Holy crud. Okay, now it's coming back to me now. As Oh, okay. Why am I... For some reason, I, I'm, I'm thinking there's two different actresses, but no. That, uh, yeah, it's, she's she's done a lot in big productions. I mean, even even continuing, she's going to be in The Mandalorian Season 2 as a very popular Star Wars character, as we mentioned last episode. But, I mean, you know, she's she pulls her own weight. And, uh, I mean, it, it's I, I really want to see that miniseries and you know, get around to finishing this, but I mean, it, it's as much as I, you know, don't like the director, I'm, and I, I have to, I mean, that's something I had to do for a lot of these directors too, uh, I mean including uh, Quentin Tarantino I'm not a fan of the guy himself but I do love uh, Pulp Fiction uh, now I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, uh, uh uh, what was it? The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but the, none of that is because of the just me, my feelings towards the director himself. I, I try as much as I can. I try to put that out and focus on the movie itself. And uh, eventually, I got around to doing that for this too. And I, you know, as much as I haven't, I've, I'm missing 30 minutes of this film <laughs> over some cir- circumstances. Uh, I mean, I'm doing a lot of shows, but. I, uh, which will not happen again, by the way, but I, I know I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I haven't finished the film, but I'll say, as, as, since I'm reserving for watching the rest of it, I'm not going to give a rating for it, but what about, what would you give it, uh, Lawrence? Since you're the first one to kind of catch on to see this, uh, uh even though, uh, Michael, you, of course, you saw it, uh, did you see it in the theaters or? No, no, I was I was okay. too young. Okay. Uh, but it, but it, it came on. Did it came on video back then? Was there a VHS of it or? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, that that's. Uh, I first saw it on cable when it showed up on HBO or something like that, and then I've rented it since. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, so, what about you, Lauren? Yeah. Um. This movie, like, I haven't had like had such a like strong emotional reaction to a movie like like I did like the first time I watched this movie like I really am a big fan so I was happy to get the chance to talk about it on this podcast <laughs> yeah so you really love this film mm-hmm. okay so you would basically give it a must watch yes yeah I, I mean I, I enjoyed it too I don't really have a lot of complaints for it it, it kind of builds us up as it as it needs to I mean the the writing is strong between the characters it's it's an excellent movie it's just unfortunate of who the director is behind it that's that's the only I mean if, the, if anything is the biggest issue it's pretty much not the film but the director and I, I that that's going to be an interesting thing for people who've never seen the movie on on a question of whether or not they should watch it and uh it's it's definitely going to be a long and interesting discussion as we you know keep going through these years and uh keep seeing other uh other celebrities screw up or get into trouble i mean every every day on twitter i get a this person is over party so there's not really a, a celebrity that doesn't have 
a, per, a, a, a bunch of people mad at them for something or possibly something. Uh, Adam Driver was on that list of this person is over because of something he said a while ago about being in the military. I, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't even know, but I, I, I feel like it was not worth the wanting to cancel him over something. Now, Ezra Miller, that's a different dis- situation, and I, I don't really know about that. But again, I mean, celebrities, are, you're going to see throughout the years, celebrities you look up to, they're going to end up doing some stupid things. And whether or not you will still watch their movies, that's going to be entirely up to you. Uh, so, but yeah, and there, there you have it. That's uh, the show. And uh, I don't know why I'm folding my legs up like this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, but... You know, thank you so much for both of you coming on. And uh, Lauren, you wanted to say something about the next show, or were you gonna save that for another time? Oh, just that I may not be there. I may have other plans, so we'll we'll see. I'll keep you updated. Okay. Well, if nothing else, then it's it's just me. It'll just be me and Michael, just two bros talking about love stories, which is uh, uh, the Lovebirds that was supposed to release on the big screen until. Well, you know what? So Netflix said, that, you know what? We're going to buy this. So it became a Netflix original movie. And it's premiering next week. So on a Friday. So we'll be talking about that. Along with some love story classics, such as Breakfast with Tiffany, uh, Groundhog Day, and uh, uh, Titanic 2. So <laughs> uh, that will be a fun episode, regardless of whether or not. I mean, I, I always love having you on, Lauren, because you're amazing. But I mean, if there's something you gotta do, of course, this is. I don't want you to feel like uh, you're obligated to do this. Uh, it's really when you want to and when you can. All right. Uh, well, either either way, if I can or can't make it, I look forward to the next time I can join you on the podcast. Yeah, and, and as long as I have, as long as I have one guest that is all i need like the one thing i don't want is to have a show where i have no guests because i like that flow when i'm having a back and forth discussion with someone and uh, i don't want to go back to how i started where it was just me by myself i just i don't think this is as exciting as having a co-host at least one co-host on and at least i uh, um have michael for next week uh right or do you yep. have something going no problem to okay so we'll be talking about those films, and uh, that's pretty much going to be the very next episode. And then we're going to try to space things out because, so uh, again, this, there there's no telling of what the second half of the year will be like. And uh, I, I did say that for at least for the Pond Theater, I'm playing to move that to be a every week thing. I don't know about this yet, but I uh, and uh, you know find a way to you know I, we're trying new things out. Yeah, it'll be fun. Just keep doing this while we're having fun. You know, uh, it's it's pretty much the great a great pastime to, for all these other things going on. So yeah, that's the next show, and uh, well, actually the next variety pond the next show will be the gaming tadpole uh with carl so and then uh you know another episode of it and then come back to variety pond and that's uh all the next week but until then uh let's go ahead and just wrap things up by telling how we reach us you can reach me pondspress.wordspress.com excuse me uh pondspress is on facebook on instagram this will be uploaded onto soundcloud.com slash which is also on Stitcher now. So we got the Stitcher up, and this uh, as this will be simultaneously uploaded onto SoundCloud and Stitcher at the same time, which Stitcher is the... 
platform to things like Podbeam and other uh, areas. So that is great. There's more platforms to listen. And uh, yeah, so philox76 at gmail.com, philk76 at gmail.com. Uh, Lauren? I can be reached at laur underscore insider on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And Michael? You can catch me on Facebook. I'm boring. Michael Gross. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you want. Facebook is, is a place to be at now. I mean, there's. Well, I, I mean, maybe I should back my way of saying that because Facebook is a lot of political arguments. But if you find that place where you can just, you know, have fun, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a Facebook group where it's just like you post memes. I, I don't know. There's there's probably a happy Facebook group somewhere. Are, are either one of you in I Love That Movie? No. No. Oh, I, I Love I, That I'm Movie gonna... is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend Lisa runs runs that. It's, it's a podcast. Yeah, I know Lisa. I know yeah, Lisa. it's a podcast. I Love That Movie. And the whole thing about it is is that she was so tired of hearing podcasts that were just, you know, two hours of tearing a movie to pieces. Like this one. That they would get so negative. And so she created this podcast. And it's, it's always her and a guest. I've been a guest several times. And the guest picks the movie, and it's a movie they love. And so basically it's the entire podcast of someone just gushing over something they really love and discussing why they love it and what makes it great. And uh, all positive. In fact, the uh, Facebook page, that is also the rule, is that you don't talk negatives. If someone talks about a film they love and you just really don't, you just keep your mouth shut. And that's the, okay. that's the rules of the group is stay positive. This is about things we love. I'll be sure to send you both an invite to it. All right, yeah, that's a nice sentiment. I, I mean, I'm more in the group, but yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were, but I, I wasn't sure. Well, I mean, I, I just put, I just posted my pun, the pun. Oh yes, of course, you, yeah. you post every, and, yeah. I, and the, I the cat butthole, and the, the buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, not, not, it's time to go. So, until next time, take care, and again, have a safe and fun weekend.